Well, we are so glad that you are a part today of the Hills Church at home, whether you're watching by video or maybe you're listening just by our audio or podcast. Hey, we're so glad each and every week by your comments, your emails for prayer requests, even emails that we receive uh, that talk about things that God's doing in your life, and especially to those that are accepting Jesus as their Savior for the very first time. So glad that you're a part today. Hey, I want to encourage you as we do each and every week to go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. I'd encourage you to download the message notes. It's always so important that the verses that we go through, that you take time and you look at it and study them on your own. That's the power of God's word in your life. And secondly, if you have children at home, grandchildren, or know of uh, some kids in the neighborhood, you can download our kids activity sheet as well too, so that they can be involved. You can find all of that at our website. Hey, I wanna start a new series. In fact, the, the title I may not have settled on, the easiest way to describe it would be the end times. But my message title today uh, is kind of taken out of some of Jesus's words, but the title is On My Way. You know, it's a title that um, we use a lot in our own uh, family if we are on our way home, uh, maybe coming for dinner, on our way, coming from a meeting, we'll text the family group and we'll put on our way. Now, when we do that, that means that we're on our way. So we're going to arrive within a certain period of time. Um, sometimes that happens if somebody's picking up something for dinner and they're leaving uh, the fast food place or a restaurant, they'll text on my way. And that means that everybody gets prepared. The kitchen table gets prepared. Silverware gets out, napkin gets out because food is arriving because somebody messaged they're on their way. So you get prepared. Well, we're going to look at some scriptures today that Jesus really kind of indicates I'm on my way. And boy, it seems like it's taken a long time, but we are to be prepared. And we are living in days where we are seeing things line up like never before in our history, but it's important that we're aware and that we're also telling others. Yeah, I want to mention something before uh, we get into the scriptures today. In fact, last uh, week on Good Friday, uh, I took some time and we looked at the veil of the temple that was ripped. We talked about how the very presence of God, the holiness of God, uh, resided behind that veil, and the high priest could only enter one time a year at the specific time God said. It had to be the specific person God chose, and they had to fulfill specific things God said to do. In fact, the place was so holy that when the high priest went in, as the high priest prepared, the high priest had bells on his robe, and a rope tied to his neck with a long rope, which meant that if the people heard the bells, they knew the high priest was alive. If the high priest had any sin in his life, he would have dropped dead under that holiness and power and presence of God. They would have drug him out with the rope. When the veil, here's what I wanted to say. When the veil of the temple ripped and the very presence of God would now no longer be 
behind a veil in the holy holies of the temple that the very presence of God, God himself, would now have the opportunity to live inside of people because of Jesus, because of us confessing Jesus as Lord, the presence of God would come on the inside. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that that, that presence and that power of God himself living on the inside was what God wanted all along. But here's what I wanted to say. The holiness of God didn't change when he came out from behind the veil. The holiness of God is still in effect. It hasn't changed. Jesus, in fact, we read is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not a man that he should lie, right? If he said it, he'll do it. So I wanted to quickly read this one verse because I want us to remember that, especially when we go through our teaching today, that the holy God is still the holy God of today. He has not changed. We should not change positions on the culture of the day. We go back to what God said and what he orchestrated. So the Apostle Paul mentions this. In fact, he uses the analogy of husband and wife. And he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. What a picture, husband and wife. In fact, it, it's become personal to our family when just two weeks ago, um, I walked my daughter down the aisle. And, uh, you know, when you hear those words, who presents this woman to be married to this man? And now I'm saying, I've for years, I've been the one saying that. I'm the one saying, well, her mother and I do it. And uh, I have my daughter by her arm, and I, I now hug her, embrace her, kiss her on the cheek. And here comes my son-in-law now, Chris, who uh, I hug, and I tell him I love him, and I take his hand, and I put it on my daughter Madison's hand, and we begin to start to serve that husband and wife. That responsibility shifts of me being her protector and uh, looking out after her for 23 years, and I hand that over, and there's this example of husband and wife uh, that the Apostle Paul teaches, but yet it's the example of Jesus and his church, what he calls us, the bride. He's calling us the bride, but he is going to present her, the church, to himself, a glorious church with not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. I want us to remember that as we go into our time today, that we're not looking to be holy, holy people, holier than thou. We're looking into that holiness of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that we live in the fear of the Lord, that we live in the awe of God, 
and in all of the things he's doing in this day. You know, it used to be we'd have to search for titles in the news to kind of talk about the end of, of times, the signs of the times. Today, it's the uh, common occurrence in the headlines. You know, we, we read things, we look uh, internationally that Russia is building up troops on the border of Ukraine. We watched, uh, and you can look it up, that a church uh, just last week on Easter Sunday, that the police were coming to try to stop their services because of coronavirus, and a very impassionate pastor yelling and screaming for them to go out, only to find out this week, they begin to set up a, a fence around the church so that people couldn't come in. I could go story on story that these are just, you don't have to search for them anymore. These are the things happening in our day, things happening in our country. And we need to be people that are alert and watching and aware and following what God is saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying. So I wanted to um, kind of bookmark these. Jesus is on his way, but I wanted to bookmark and I wanted to start Genesis chapter one, verses one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Probably the most well-known scripture in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created all things. In fact, I say this often. If humans created all things, then we follow what the humans tell us to do. But that's not the case at all. We have not created anything. Now, we may uh, design and create, but everything that we create comes from what God created himself. The very ideas and insight and creative ability come out of what God has placed on the inside of men and women. He created it all. It's all his. All power and authority is his. In fact, he gave that power to Jesus himself. It's all his. He was never created by anything or anybody. God always has been. He's eternal. He is watching all things. He is not asleep. He doesn't slumber. He's aware of everything. He knows my name. He knows the amount of hairs on my head. He says, I am the apple of his eye. All things are under his power and under his control, even though we live in a world that is broken. People say all the time, I can't believe that there's a God because God would not allow this. No, he's not allowing it. It's mankind that has twisted and turned things. He wants our redemption to come in the form of us accepting Jesus as our savior, changing and turning to him, turning from our old ways. But make, make no, uh, uh, let, it, let it be very clear to all of us. He created all things, is aware of all things. And then we read one of the last verses at the end of, Re of the book of Revelation. In fact, it's in red letters where the, the uh, apostle John is writing these things. And he said, he who testifies of these things says, and these are Jesus's words, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. So Jesus says, surely I am coming quickly quickly. 
Now, when we text as a family on our way, we know that that's a period of time that we're coming. People are anticipating that we're coming. Jesus now has uh, been resurrected for over, we celebrated it last week, over 2,000 years. In fact, he said in John 14, uh, I go to prepare a place for you. So he was leaving to go prepare a place. So I always think of this. If creation took six days of all the amazing things that we see around us, and Jesus has been preparing something for over 2,000 years, what a place, right? The aha of aha moments that he has. Surely I come quickly. And here's what we know. God doesn't have a watch. We know the Bible says a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. So we know that God is outside of time. We're based in time. And, but he has things unfolding as he has said through his prophets. As he, as Jesus taught us specifically, especially things about the end times. And as he spoke through his apostles, that the Holy Spirit would have them write about things. But Jesus is coming soon. In fact, I wanted to read a few verses out of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 through 4, and it says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also has made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, and he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than, than they. He upholded all things by the word of his power. And when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Well, the Bible goes on to let us know Jesus isn't done he is forever interceding. He's praying to the Father on our behalf. He's also preparing a place for us. He's also uh, waiting on God to say, go get my people, go get my children. In fact, it's interesting when you read uh, the book of Acts, when finally all the uh, apostles are, are back, you know, in sync with Jesus, the risen Lord. And as Jesus spends those uh, last few minutes and talks about them going into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the ends of the earth with the gospel and with the power of the Holy Spirit and with healings and all things. Uh, I, I pull this one ver verse up, Acts 1.11. In fact, they just must be looking up as Jesus is heading up into the heavens and all of a sudden angels appear and they who all say, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven 
will so come in manner as you saw him go into heaven. They were standing there looking up and all of a sudden they get a blunt. Men of Galilee, what are you doing? Why are you looking up there? As he went up, that's how he's going to come back. Well, we'll be looking at that in the next few weeks. Let me uh, transition to this one verse. Let it be so important. In fact, I want to share a couple stories here. Um, that Jesus said these words about the end days, about that gathering together of the church, all of these things. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven. You'd think God would have a big banner, right? Or a, a countdown clock or something. But uh, only the Father knows. Think about that. Only God knows. Who knows the exact order of how things out time-wise? God does. It's on God's time clock. The angels don't know. It's not been announced of that day and hour. In fact, so um, I'll date myself, but I, I started Bible college back in January of 1988. You know, I had grown up in the church. Uh, I knew some things of the Bible, but I was in for an opening up of the Bible and the scripture and everything. I remember going, uh, I went to Life Bible College in Los Angeles. I remember going through the library and, you know, I'd probably only been in school maybe a month or so. I'm 21 years of age and I, I come across this book. And the title of the book is 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. And I'm thinking, this is 1988. So I got, got, grabbed a hold of this book and I remember reading it. In fact, the, the author talked about the Feasts of Trumpets, which even today the uh, Jewish people celebrate. It was something that God instituted. The, and he was linking the Feast of Trumpets to the trumpet of God, but he was uh, an, an analysis. And by fact, if I have my facts right. He worked with NASA and mathematics. And so he was taking all of the prophecies and prophets and timelines and different things. And he came up with some formula that Jesus was returning either September 11th, 12th, or 13th of 1988. Think about it, right? Well, that time came and went. In fact, I remember reading there was um, people uh, that, you know, would come out. In fact, they said, you know, Jesus never came. But I remember the author wrote another book that next year. It was 89 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1989. And then he missed a few things. Well, uh, what's tough is the Associated Press picked up the story. In fact, they mentioned September 12th of 1988 that the rapture uh, is expected to strike before sunset Tuesday, according to the book, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. Uh, 1988. Well, nothing happened. We know that uh, later another gentleman uh, said that the rapture of the church would happen May 21st, 2011. He predicted it on that date when the date came and went. He adjusted the predict. To prediction to October 21st, nothing happened. And then he alluded to that it was a spiritual thing. It was a spiritual judgment, a spiritual rapture. No man knows the day and the hour. And here's why it's so destructive when we do it. Let, let me read you this one quote 
of somebody that commented back on those 89, 89 reasons himself. And excuse the language. That's not a bad word, but uh, I too was one of the idiots who bought into the hysteria in 1988. I was a naive 21-year-old. I was reading, I thought, as he did that one, it, like it was my same age, who put way too much faith into this teaching. I believed every word of it because my pastor believed it. As a matter of fact, belief in this book compelled me and my girlfriend to get married much earlier than we originally had intended. We were taught that what is bound on earth would be bound together in heaven. So we had to get married so that we could be together when the rapture occurred. When the designated range of dates passed, I remember there being a lot of confusion and anger in the church and we ended up leaving. Now listen to this. After several years of religious exploration, doused with much more skepticism than before, I ended up rejecting Christianity altogether and I became an atheist. Now, let's just say for sake that this is a fake quote, that somebody just threw it in there. I happen to believe it's true because I remember reading about that this very thing happened. People were selling their homes. They were leaving loved ones. They were moving up to the mountains. They were charging up their credit cards. They were doing all of these things, expecting the end of the world, September 11th, 12th, or 13th. But you know what breaks my heart the most is when I hear somebody rejects Christianity or Jesus and becomes an atheist, not believing that there is a God. We have to be so clear that we remember this, this verse, um, that of the day and hour, no one knows. So somebody says, it's going to happen at the end of April. You don't know the day and hour. In fact, if we knew, if somebody figured it out, I guarantee God would switch it, right? No, no man knows the day or hour. And you know what he's waiting for? It shouldn't be that we're trying to plot out dates. We are to be aware of the times and seasons. In fact, Jesus will mention those things. But Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. This gospel will be preached. Well, what's possibly holding up all of these things? Well, the gospel, we'll talk about that a little bit later. The gospel getting preached that everybody has an opportunity to hear, to either accept or reject. I read it last week. Jesus said, you can enter by the narrow gate, but many go by the wide gate. It's destruction. The narrow gate's hard but the words get out there. You know, we read this verse in Romans, the apostle Paul writes this, for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Earthquakes, floods, fires, uh, 
the whole earth groaning for its redemption. Think about that, groaning for its redemption. The earth groans for its redemp redemption. You know, we, we read these things. We remember that the end of days and the signs of times should press us to open up our hearts and our minds to dig deep into God's word so that our eyes can see things that are happening through his words. There is a lining up like never before spiritually, politically, morally, economically, and in so many other ways that we don't ever see. So don't let your heart be troubled, as Jesus said. Don't fall into fear of what is coming on the world. Instead, we should be living out these days having faith in God and in anticipation that our redemption is closer than ever before. We are to remain focused and we are to be a partner with Jesus in getting his gospel out. In fact, we read that again, right? For this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. In all the world as a witness to all the nation and the end will come. I think if we asked Jesus today and we said, Jesus, what can I do today to partner with you? Jesus would say those simple words, get my gospel out. You know, I'm amazed uh, nowadays when I I look and I I see uh, people and the, they'll post images with scripture and how important that is that just getting that word out impacts people's hearts. Matthew chapter 24. In fact, uh, let me pull this out and we'll close things up for today. Jesus said these words. In fact, there's three questions that I want you to pay attention to that the disciples ask. And remember, we read in Hebrews that Jesus himself, Jesus was given the word. In fact, Jesus talked about the, the end of days, but uh, he answered the questions that the disciples had. Matthew 24, one through three, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him uh, to, show, to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said to him, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here on another that shall not be thrown down. Now, he sat at the Mount of Olives and the disciples came to him privately saying three questions. Tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, I want you to remember this. What did Jesus just say? They showed him the temple and he said, not one stone would be left on another. Okay. So they asked him, tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming and what will be the end of the age. So here's what's important for us when we read this. The, the temple of no stone on another, what Jesus was prophesying about was the date 70 AD. Now, 
if Jesus was crucified at um, 33 and a half to 34 uh, AD, the Roman em uh, emperor, in fact, we know, we know that, in fact, Titus was the one that came through. They sieged on Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple. They destroyed Jerusalem. In fact, there's many historical documents that they surrounded uh, Jerusalem itself with their army and the Jewish people starved. I mean, there was, there's different things in history about it. But 70 AD is what Jesus is talking about. Not one stone will be left. I had the opportunity to stand in one of Titus's arches just three years ago. And the depiction that was engraved, you know, because if you go to, to Rome or you go through Italy, everything is statues. And uh, when there's an event, some statue is made. Well, in this arch is a depiction of the siege of Jerusalem, specifically where they brought back the spoils of Solomon's temple and etched in there our trumpet, of everything that they took and sieged as, um, as the spoils back there. I get to see that. Well, that was what Jesus talked about in 70 AD. The next question that they asked, when will be the sign of your coming? Well, you know, when we go back in, into the Bible and we read a little bit, we really read that there's two different comings of Jesus, but one, he doesn't come down to earth in fact, that's what we refer to as the rapture of the church. You know, the word rapture, we don't find in the Bible. The wording that we find in the Bible where we've alluded to the word rapture is the gathering together of his saints out of Thessalonians. So one of the, one of the things we know, Jesus is going to come back, but first he's going to be in the clouds. That's going to be what we call the gathering together of the rapture of the church. There is a second coming of Jesus where he does come down. We'll talk about that later in the time. And then the other one that they mentioned and the end of the age that Jesus begins to talk about. So we'll look at that in the next upcoming weeks because Jesus teaches us about these end times. The prophets prophesy. Daniel sp speaks specifically about the weeks, about the tribulation. Jesus has teachings about the end of days. The Apostle Paul is given insight about the gathering together, what actually physically happens on the, those days. In fact, many of us remember the series that were done left behind by Kirk Cameron. You can look them up, several on YouTube, or even Nicolas Cage did a left behind one that had to do with the rapture of the church. But the most important focus, you know, we can get so caught up in every single detail that we miss Jesus's words of getting the gospel out. Get the gospel out. No man knows the days or the hour, but we can see the signs of the times, things lining up, nations lining up. You know, when I traveled several years ago and I was in Sri Lanka and in India, I got to travel with just an awesome pastor that has traveled around the world. I'll never forget him saying this was three years ago. He says, you know, of all these countries that I've been traveling to, what, what is shocking to me the most is every single nation is building up their military. So when I used to travel years ago, you'd look at them and think, you know, their military is not much. He says, now you look at it, they're all building up 
their military. There are signs all around. We're to watch. We're to watch Israel. We're to be in our Bible so that we're not deceived. We know that Jesus, we know the Apostle Paul, there's a falling away that takes place of believers that fall away. We've got to rem remain focused. Do not be troubled, Jesus says, right? He's overcome the world. We're not to be troubled. We know our final destination. We're placed here on earth. Our citizenship is not on earth. It's in heaven for the believer. You know, there was a song years ago by a group. In fact, we're going to post it on our social media. It's DC Talk. In fact, they, uh, I encourage you to look it up on YouTube. It's going to be, you know, old videos. But the song was, I wish we'd all been ready. And let me read just a couple uh, lines of lyrics. And it says, a man and wife were asleep in bed. She hears a noise, turns her head. She's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. You know, it, it brings up a couple things that are very interesting uh, when we talk about the gathering together, the rapture of the church. In fact, Jesus begins to teach about that. We see that in the Bible. Two on a hill, one's gone. Two in bed, one's gone. Um, it's it's too late right there. The They've left, and there's a series of events that's going to play out. And really, depending on where you feel like you line up in the Bible, whether um, in, in the tribulation, this is lining up and you've been left behind. And if you think these days are dark, those are going to be some of the darkest, darkest days on planet Earth. And you can't change your mind. It's like eternity. The moment you die, you can't change your mind if you made the wrong decision. It's too late. There's no meeting room to where you can negotiate to get into God. You have to make that decision. And you can't say, I'll do it tomorrow. I want to live my life for a little while. And you know what? When I get a little bit older, I'll make things right and I'll get things back on track. We know the Bible teaches. In fact, James says, you don't know about tomorrow. You have today. If you woke up today and you're breathing today, you have today. You don't have tomorrow. I can't think about tomorrow. I have to make my decisions today. So I so want to encourage you, if you put things off by accepting Jesus, if you've run the wrong way, if you find yourself like that quote that I read before, that you've, got, you've gotten hurt and burned and turned because of, of what you might term Christianity, get back into the Bible. Let, let God begin to teach you, uh, right? Mankind will always fail. God never fails, never lets down. In fact, pray this with me. Would you mean it from your heart? Out of uh, We take this out of uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Say it with me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord 
and my savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with new with you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. I would so encourage you if you said that for the first time, you've rededicated your life, you have questions, if you would reach out to us at info at hillschurcharcadia.org, you can go to our website, fill out the contact one. You can also connect with us on the social media platform that you're watching right now. So, so important. And it is the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. You know exactly how these days will play out because God said so. Well, as we receive our tithes and offerings today, I want to read a, a good, interesting verse. It's important for us, even in these days, to know Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 13. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Hey, we're in a spiritual fight. We know when we talk about even giving that uh, the moment we step out to give and to trust God, that thoughts come in our head. That we have just this notion of, of looking and wondering, can and should I do this? And it takes faith. You got to put on that armor because the enemy will come and lie to you. He has tricks and traps and things that he wants to set. But when you put on that armor and know that you can stand, not in your own armor, but it's the armor of God, that you can stand and trust him of what he's about to do. So pray this with me. Agree. Let it be a personal prayer out of your heart to your father, God. Pray this with me. As I give in today's offering, I stand in unity with God, his word and the Holy Spirit. I stand together in prayer and agreement with those in my house, believing that God will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that I could ask or imagine. I stand with my shield and my sword to war against doubt and unbelief. I stand against all the power of the enemy and I stand in my place and I will not be moved. I will not give up in Jesus name. Amen. If you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can click on the very top right hand side, the give button. It's safe, it's fast and it's secure. If you want, you can give by mail. You can write to us, the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. Hey, and I so encourage you, stay tuned in the next few weeks as we start going through these scriptures, looking at the signs of the times, understanding the times, looking at the headlines of the day as we shake our head and we know that time is short, but... Jesus's words, get the gospel out. When you leave that, your household uh, in the morning, whether you're working down from home, I encourage you to pray and ask the Lord for you to be a witness to somebody to get the gospel out. He could be putting you in the right place at the right time so somebody 
will hear the good news. Well, we'll leave you with the verse that we do each and every week, Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help, your help, comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. We are praying for you.